September 13th. Today our New Testament reading will be from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. As Paul planned his trip to Corinth, he envisioned the different kinds of people that he would meet there. The disobedient, that was one group. Why would God's people want to disobey him and create problems for Paul and grief for the Lord, not to speak of problems for their church? Disobedient children must be dealt with, and Paul intended to be a faithful and loving father. Another group was the disqualified. Some church members have never been born again, and that is why they create problems. Paul urges us to examine our hearts to be sure we are in the faith. And the other group was the devoted. These are the true believers, the true brothers and sisters in the Lord, the set-apart ones, the saints, the people who love one another and promote the peace and purity of the church. They are the mature ones in the fellowship who encourage spiritual growth. Well, there are three groups there, the disobedient, the disqualified, and the devoted. To which group do you belong? And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. September 13th, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. This is the third time I, Paul, am coming to visit you, Corinthians. As the scriptures say, the facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I have already warned those who had been sinning when I was there on my second visit. Now, I again warn them and all others, just as I did before, that this next time I will not spare them. I will give you all the proof you want that Christ speaks through me. Christ is not weak in His dealings with you. He is a mighty power among you. Although He died on the cross in weakness, He now lives by the mighty power of God. We too are weak, but we live in Him and have God's power, the power we use in dealing with you. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is really genuine. Test yourselves. If you cannot tell that Jesus Christ is among you, it means you have failed the test. I hope you recognize that we have passed the test and are approved by God. We pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. We pray this not to show that our ministry to you has been successful, but because we want you to do right even if we ourselves seem to have failed. Our responsibility is never to oppose the truth, but to stand for the truth at all times. We are glad to be weak if you are really strong. What we pray for is your restoration to maturity. I am writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to deal harshly with you when I do come. For I want to use the authority the Lord has given me to build you up, not to tear you down. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Rejoice! Change your ways, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet each other in Christian love. All the Christians here send you their greetings. 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I don't know what's worse, blatantly and openly doing wrong or covering up our wrongdoings with religion. It's not a far stretch for me to relate with the two criminals that we are introduced to in Luke 23. One of the criminals speaks. He says this. He says, aren't you God? Save yourself and save us. Essentially, what this criminal hanging on a cross says to Jesus is, are you God? Aren't you, do you claim to be God? Prove it. Convince me. Win me over. This is what we do with God. Hey, if you're God, then, then, then prove it to me. If you're God, then why, why am I going through so much trouble? Maybe you blame God for the pain and maybe you blame God for the hurt in your life. This is the age old question. People have been asking it since the beginning of time and this thief, just because he's a criminal, he's no different than this. He says, aren't you God? Prove it to me. Almost to say, almost like, aren't you God? Then why is this happening? Why are we hanging on a cross? Why are we? And this is the question that people have been asking for years. If there's a good God, why do bad things happen? Aren't you God? Save me. As if God owes me. As if God owes me. Quite honestly, what, what have I ever done to merit God owing me anything? Aren't you really good? If you're good, prove it. I love that. Jesus doesn't respond to this man. If Jesus were to say something, maybe he would have said, that's what I'm doing, genius. <laughs> maybe not the sarcasm that I have, but yeah. it's exactly what I'm doing is, is saving you. Then the other criminal speaks up. He says, he says, are you crazy? You're hanging on the same cross. And then he says this phrase, and we are getting what we deserve. These criminals in Luke 23, they are getting what they deserve. They deserve to die for their deeds. As far as we know, they've never once professed God. They've never once lived right. They've never once tried to make amends. They've never once shown any sign of faith or good to community or neighbors or the church or anyone. The thieves, all they've done is take and hurt and lie and deceive. And make no mistake, they are getting what they deserve. And one of them is just now realizing it. To have the realization that you deserve all the bad that is coming your way. I deserve this. I'm actually getting like, this is just. It's just that I lose my marriage. It's just that I paid the price. It's just I deserved it. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it's, it's like a question, isn't it? Like, like, would you? Could you? Could you even remember me? There's no specifics. He doesn't ask for a time frame. 
I mean, this is a dire moment, but he's not, no pressure, Jesus. He's not for guarantee. It's, it's not like he's bargaining with Jesus because he's, he's in a hopeless place. He realizes, I don't have anything to give. Like, I, I have nothing to bargain with. This is simply a feeble plea from a desperate man who's just realized that everything he's getting, he deserves it. And he looks to God and he says, Would you just remember me? If you could. Have you ever felt that way with God? Have you ever felt like you couldn't pray? Shouldn't be in church? And Jesus' response. Oh, it's the most powerful. It's the most powerful statement in the scripture. From the cross. The place of total defeat. Everyone else is like, this man is moments from death. But he's not. He's moments from completing the greatest act, sacrifice has ever taken place. You say, how do bad things turn to good? I don't know, maybe the death of God, the worst thing in history, resulting in the greatest thing in history. Here's Jesus from the point of total loss. Turns to this, this malefactor. He says, today. Not, not when you work things out. Not when you go to church a few times, not when you get in a city group, or once you've read your Bible, or you can quote you know, Psalms 23, or you've asked everyone to forgive you. Or Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Psalm 57 verses 1 through 11. This psalm and Psalm 142 are cave psalms that can give you great encouragement. In his uh, great reference chapter-by-chapter Bible commentary, Warren Wiersbe says, Your own cave may be a sick room, a difficult place of ministry, or even a home where there is tension or trouble. If you do what David did, you will experience peace and victory even in the cave. David's faith transformed his cave into a holy of holies, and his confidence was not in the rocks, but under his wings. In spite of sharp teeth, nets, and pits, David was sure of God's help. His desire was not just to escape, but to exalt the Lord. In fact, when he awakened the next morning, he picked up his harp and began singing praises to God. The lesson for you and me, trust Him, exalt Him, sing praises to Him. This approach worked for David in his cave, and it will work for you in your cave. Psalm 57, verses 1 through 11. The choir director, a psalm of David, regarding the time he fled from Saul and went into the cave, to be sung to the tune, Do Not Destroy. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until this violent storm is past. I cry out to God Most High, to God who will fulfill His purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to save me, rescuing me from those who are out to get me. My God will send forth His unfailing love and faithfulness. 
I am surrounded by fierce lions, who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, and whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. My heart is confident in you, O God. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, O harp and lyre. I will waken the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, in front of all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Proverbs 23, verses 9 through 11. Don't waste your breath on fools, for they will despise the wisest advice. Don't steal the land of defenseless orphans by moving the ancient boundary markers, for their Redeemer is strong. He himself will bring their charges against you.